If Jesus moved into your neighborhood, would anything change? Hey friend, I'm Karna Atkinson, and this is the Hidden Jewels podcast. In a world where social media often has the loudest voice, we miss the quiet voices of many women of God whose experiences and wisdom are the words we need to hear today. My mentor, Roxanne Parks, and I are here to give space for these quiet voices to be honored and to reveal the gems of wisdom they hold. We're so excited today to be joining our friend Alita Biddy in a conversation where I felt a true invitation to open my home more to see more of God's miracles. Let's get to it. Well, we're so excited to be here today with Alita, a dear friend of Roxanne's. And so I am just thrilled. I can personally not wait to hear all of the wisdom that we're going to explore today. And Alita, we're just so glad you're here. Roxanne, why don't you start us and let us know how you and Alita met? Well, years ago, when I had just moved to Oklahoma City and decided to homeschool my kids, I ended up tumbling into a meeting uh, to mentor homeschool moms. And Alita was in there with all her curriculum and plans all laid out. And I kind of come running in with no plans. I don't know what curriculum it is. I'm not sure how to homeschool my kids. And she not only had four kids like me, she had a plan and I didn't. She was kind and I needed that. And so immediately I felt this is my girl. This is my woman. And I'm going to follow her. I didn't realize I would like follow her the rest of my life, but I was going to follow her in the moment. And that started off her kind of mentoring me through my homeschooling journey. And then we both uh, ended up on a board of directors, so to speak, of a large co-op. And we co-labored her wisdom, my crazy on fire enthusiasm uh, and a team of sweet other ladies. And we led a large co-op and then she joined me in ministry. We did a lot of ministry events. She was one of my very first encouragers that when we were, I was leaving the co-op leadership world and I was trying to jump into the ministry world. And I was like, should we go now or should we go in a year? And she said, if we're going to do it, let's do it now. And 74 days later, we birthed an event that we've done events on events on events, winter summit. She's part of the core team of the vision of that. And then somewhere in there about 2,500 years ago, I started doing morning, Tuesday morning Bible studies with her. We still do that today. Alita, how long have we been doing that Bible study? We think maybe 12 years, 12 to 14 years. None of us can really remember, but it's been 10 plus Yeah. And so she's a teacher of the word. She's a lover of the word. She's a teacher of the word. She's a inspiring woman. She's one of my favorite humans on the planet. And I'm so excited you're here, Alita. I'm so excited you're here. You've honored. You've influenced my life in a huge way. And I can't wait for our listeners to to uh, just see some of the hidden jewels and the nuggets. And I know in in this podcast, we'll never uh, exhaust uh, the beauty and the wisdom of your soul. But let's just pray that God just in our sweet, casual coffee conversation, that God um, just has us share some nuggets that might encourage the listener. Yes. Well, so Alita, I'm just meeting you. And so I know everybody else would just love to hear more about your life um, and just who you are. 
Thank you, Roxanne, for those glowing words. Um, I don't think I was quite as pulled together as she might have described on our first meeting, but I did have a plan in front of me and she didn't. And I recognized so much of myself when I started homeschooling of just jumping in there so green and so naive about doing anything but willing and she was willing and her enthusiasm has always been so infectious and her energy is very um, appealing and inviting and she has just been a faithful friend and an encourager and a mover and shaker dragging me along with her for all these years so I'm very honored thank you for inviting me I'm glad that I can share the story of what God has done in my life and continues to do because he is still at work on this old 66-year body and, mm -hmm. and um, helping me to learn more about him. I was, I, I was born in Stonewall, Oklahoma, you know, nowhere America, and mm -hmm. just had an idyllic sort of a leave it to beaver growing up that I give many thanks to the Lord for. I had a wonderful mom and dad. My dad was a rural letter carrier and faithfully went out every day delivering mail and my mom was home um, and then it later actually took over and did the route for daddy after he retired. Sister and a brother, um, a grandma that lived on a little dairy, mom and pop dairy farm. And it just everyone in my life loved me and took care of me. Neighbors took care of us. I had a great church where people invested in me and um, lots of women. I look back and see the names of people like, Hazel and Marie and Ethel and, uh, you know, just these women who were so faithful. They just loved their husbands, loved their children, came to church, worshiped the Lord. They poured into me. But I grew up in this wonderful situation of love, um, made a profession of faith to the Lord Jesus when I was eight or nine years old, maybe. Um, it was, you know, the thing to do. I understood that Jesus was a savior of our lives and our souls and I walked the, the aisle and made my profession of faith and was baptized and felt like I was just a pretty cool little girl you know I was mm -hmm. just pretty with it and I I, I look back and I was so prideful and so self-righteous mm -hmm. and judgmental and went to high school and college and got a music degree and all during that time I just thought I was a real good little Christian. And I look back and I was not a real good little Christian. I was rebellious in many ways, self-righteous and prideful for sure. And um, the truth is I was lost. I, that profession of faith was not genuine. It was, I characterized it as an understanding of God as um, a really great and wonderful and good God that I knew who he was, but he was more like a beneficent uncle that he was really personally interested and cared about everybody. And I believed that. And I believed he heard, heard prayer. But um, did I know him? Uh, no, I didn't know him. Not until I became an adult and began worshiping in a church that um, challenged me to study the word and to know the word. And once I started getting in it, his spirit convicted me. And I understood that I needed to make a true profession. And I did as an adult. And submitted in obedience to baptism again mm. so that's kind of my story of faith but I had a wonderful grandma who and 
my, my mom had three sisters and we would gather in the kitchen and grandma had the best biscuits and homemade butter in the world and fresh cream from the dairy. And, oh my gosh, there were always cookies and pies on the table. And I learned a legacy of just loving the kitchen, loving to cook, loving to feed people. And I still find the the greatest amount of joy that I could even express of just cooking and serving and putting food out for people and gathering around my table. It's just a true joy of my heart. I love that. Your story really mirrors my own. So it really resonates with me and just coming to um, a, a faith profession very young, but then, and being a very good girl, you know, doing the right things. Um, but then coming to a point of really understanding my need for a savior because God's kindness led me to repentance and really understanding the depth of my sin and um, what that cost Christ. And so I just am like, yes, we have such similar stories in that. So amen to that and thankful to the Lord for bringing us um, to him to really know him because it is one thing to know about him, but to really know him is a very different thing. I also was just so struck by your uh, just talking about this hospitality gift is I, I think just, you know, I'm about 20 years behind you and um, I too think hospitality is so important, but one thing I've seen um, is that I don't know that that legacy has really been passed down um, as much, you know, it's a different culture that we live in. It seems like people are a little more individualistic and are not as willing to invite people into their homes. What would you say to uh, the importance of that, especially in the body of believers? I think it's critical, and I am preaching to myself right now. Mm -hmm. Just coming off of COVID and our tendencies to continue to be holed up, mm -hmm. I think is sinful. And mm -hmm. I, I encourage myself and I encourage all women of faith to open their doors. I have had such blessing from opening my door in a Bible study for just a handful of women. We've gone up and down in numbers, but it's a great blessing. It's been a wonderful, fun thing for me to put out breakfast for them and to teach them the word and to teach my children the very same things. Um, I'm beginning to see that in my daughters and that just blesses my heart. It just makes me warm all over to see that the legacy of my grandmother and my mom and me is now going down into the next generation. And that's where we really get to know each other is around the table. We need to be able to share in an unthreatening situation where people can just talk about life and life issues and they can feel free to say, gosh, I'm having this problem. And they don't have to feel like that someone sitting down the pew at church, miss look down my nose at you person is judging them that, that yes. we're all at times in need of that. So the table is just an open place to do that. And I, um, I think we all need to open our doors a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And not be so worried, right, about everything being perfect and um, having this beautiful meal or a centerpiece or any of those things or the house being perfectly clean. It's almost better, I think, to just be authentic and real. Not only does Alita serve us little snacks for breakfast when we come to her house for Bible study, but Alita invites her neighbors 
mm-hmm. uh, into her home and invites her neighbors into a kindness or an open relationship. Not all of them, I know, take her up on that. But she's inspired me because she moved to a new house and she's like, okay, I've been to this neighbor. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to this neighbor and I've invited them in our studies. I've invited them into our homes. And how many of us stop to be neighborly? And when the word says that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves, Alita's busy loving her neighbor. And I, Alita, I love this hospitality come to the table thing, but you put some really gloves on that. When you go knock on your neighbor door, you invite them to study the word with you. You invite them for a relationship. You invite them for a hello and you take them a brownie. I just need the listeners to know she's, uh, she can inspire us into being more neighborly. I love that. I heard a quote. I heard a quote once that said, if Jesus moved into your neighborhood, would anything change? And obviously it would. And that's our, that's our, our walk. Right. So I love that. I mean, you're literally being the hands and feet of Jesus in your neighborhood. And I love that. I'm actually very convicted by that right now. So I wrote a note down just for my own. Yeah. Go meet my neighbor tomorrow. Go go knock on the door. Yes, exactly. Yeah. know what I did as a family and I don't know if this was inspired by Alita or hospitality is even if you don't like constantly are knowing your neighbors just even using a holiday or something as an excuse to take some banana bread or take anything to reach out and touch a neighbor Mm -hmm. and Alita I, I, I think this would be a fun thing that we can encourage our listeners to do. Thank you for bringing that up it just reminds me of a conversation I had with my sister last week her best friend's husband passed away last week. And she was telling me about having um, walked alongside her through this process, obviously very, very difficult, but that immediately she had um, gone and gotten some sandwiches to take to the house. She had made some cookies that she knew were her friend's favorite kind that uh, the next day she and her daughter-in-law had brought a meal and she said, I've, I just needed to fill the gaps until my friend's church began to do the ministry. But we had the discussion of the fact that our growing up in the church and in the the, uh, situation of our family, the blessing of our family, taught us what to do in funerals. Mm -hmm. That if you're not connected with the body of Christ or, or in that kind of a situation of family you don't know what to do you don't know how to minister and we both just kind of had a few tearful moments of thanksgiving of gosh our parents our church taught us how to do funerals how to do grief how to be there in just a practical situation where words are not adequate there's nothing to say to your best friend whose husband just died prematurely There's nothing to do except to put your arms around her to cry and say, here's a sandwich. You may not feel like eating it, but I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring you some muffins in the morning because you're not going to feel like eating. You're not going to feel like getting it. But if if you can eat, they're here. Mm. You know, it just brings me to tears to think that we have this knowledge, just a practical way of doing life. In In our Bible study just this morning, we were talking about the practicalities that God gave to the Israelites coming out of Egypt. Just the practicalities of here's how to keep clean. Here's how you should arrange your camps so that it's logical, it's not chaotic, it's peaceful, 
It's expectable. It's predictable. This is how you're to walk out and move to the next place. This is how you are to clean up if you get mold in your house, for heaven's sake. He gave them just these really practical ways to live that just keep us healthier and happier and to create community among us so that we can live in peace with each other. And I think that the same thing is true for us today, that on top of having the peace with Jesus, of knowing that if we die prematurely today, first of all, my soul is going to meet him there and he's going to welcome me. And I'm going to see my grandma and my mom and my aunts and my uncles and all the people I love, but also that somebody's going to come along behind me and come and feed my kids when they're yeah. breathing. I'm going to have to stop because I'm going to cry. I'm a crier. <laughs> Sorry. That, don't apologize for that. No. So you mentioned your mom and your grandmother leaving you such a legacy. Are there any specific um, nuggets of truth that you'd like to pass on that have been really important for you? From them and from other women that God has privileged me to have in my life. Just a wealth of first hospitality and taking care of your family. Love your family well. Mm -hmm. Love your husband even when he's not lovable because he loves you sometimes when you're not so lovable mm -hmm. cupcake yes you know <laughs> there are times when you look like a hag you act like a hag and you are sounding like an ag so yeah um, he loves you too love him well take care of your children in just simple ways teach them about the lord if um if it's anything that i've learned in my old age is that the most important thing that you can teach your children is to revere the Lord, to teach them about his love, about the ways that he has blessed us to give thanks and to make that a regular part of your life. And I'm very guilty of at times abdicating on that responsibility. But they taught us that faithfulness was important. My grandma and grandpa took us to church when we spent the weekend over there. Uh, my mom and dad took us to church faithfully. We always were there. We were never a family that was always talking about, I just love Jesus so much today. Oh, Jesus has just blessed my heart today. We've just never mm -hmm. been that kind of a family, but the faith was there. We knew it was there because they lived it. Mm -hmm. And they, my, my family, my aunts were faithful believers and the ladies in my church, my mentor in high school was my pastor's wife, and she loved me at a time when I was self-righteous and prideful mm -hmm. and impure in many ways. She loved me. She, her, her couch, her door was always open. Her mantra was, the number of people who come to my house doesn't matter. I'll just put another cup of water in the gravy. Mm -hmm. There's always enough. There's always enough. And her house was always full. People always knew that they were welcome. She was a great mentor to me, both um, just in acceptance and in a spiritual way. Of, I know she prayed. I mean, she must have spent hours on her knees for me. I, do, I know she did. Mm -hmm. She protected me and loved me in a time when I was very vulnerable. And I can't even think of enough words to say about the way that she loved me. She taught me much about hospitality, about having, about how to give baby showers and how to give wedding showers. And we did lots and lots and lots of white Bible ceremonies for those of us who were getting married. She always said, you put a beautiful tablecloth on the table, 
if you've got one candle, you light it. If you've got 15 candles, you light them. You use what you've got. And mm-hmm. she sacrificially showed me the love of Jesus. And I uh, will love embracing her when I get to heaven, too. She was a great mentor to me. Mm. And since then, in my church where I have, um, God has placed me, where I've been going now for 39-ish, 8-ish years, oh, wow. um, Bible teachers who introduced me to inductive Bible study, where I really was able to jump in. The first one that I was led through was covenant. And mm. the discovery of God's covenant, he is a covenant-keeping God. He is full of loving kindness and compassion. He is the God whose promises never fail. So those women who led me in those Bible studies, the one, the, the woman, Miss Jenna, was the minister to children at the time when my first child was born. We were attending, and we were coming on Sunday morning, kind of the Sunday morning, check your box, worshiping. And she called me one day in kindness, but in boldness. And she said, Alita, uh, you have that baby now. And it's not just about you. That baby mm-hmm. needs to be in Sunday school. And you know it. Those were, wow. <laughs> she boldly spoke to me. And, but mm-hmm. it, the words cut through my heart. I said, you know, you're right. I'll be there. And so I announced to my husband, Sarah and I are going to church. We're going to Sunday school this week. And if you'd like to go, fine. And if you don't, fine. We're going. And so one of the the wise things that my mentor Ethel taught me was uh, when I got married, she said, your husband adores the ground you work, you walk on and he will follow you anywhere. So if you go to worship, he'll follow you hmm. he'll follow for a while. But after a while, he won't. Hmm. So you need to go. You need to be going. And so I did. I kept going to Sunday morning worship, even when I was prideful and um, just self-righteous, but he did follow and praise the Lord. He followed in a big way and rededicated his heart and life to the Lord and has become a stalwart servant of the Lord mm-hmm. since then. But Miss Jenna, bless her name. She yeah. uh, lovingly and boldly rebuked me and thank the Lord. I wisely followed her advice. She's another great um, icon of my the women out there who have done great blessings for me. I'm really thinking a lot about that, just that boldness and in love. That's something that honestly is kind of hard for me. I, that is not the lane that I usually try and go in is being bold and saying things like that. No. Um, yeah. I want to highlight one thing here that um, Alita said that I'd like to put a light on is that she decided to Listen to the wise counsel of, uh, was it Jenna, you said, that said, get your rear end in church. <laughs> and she she felt called to obedience to that, regardless of where her husband was. She invited him. She didn't beat him up. Because what I'm learning in my marriage as well, and I'd love to highlight this, is husbands don't want to be married to nagging faucets and complainers, and they don't want to be married to their mother. And so when you invited him to church and invited him to listen to truth from another, that invites our husbands into places. Now we can't make them go, but we sure should invite them to go because I have seen my faithfulness to attend church regularly in my marriage as well, that the truth spoken in that can be transformative to my husband in ways a nagging faucet couldn't. 
and in ways um, a mothery kind of voice couldn't. So a wise woman, I think, does put herself in um, the fellowship of the body of believers, the church, maybe the Sunday schools are under the teaching. We graciously invite our family to come because there's a lot of uh, things that can be profited from the environment that we put ourselves in of truth. And I know Lita's been faithful. I love when you said how that faithfulness is so important. And you said in the simple little things. So she's, I know you've been faithful, but I just wanted our listeners to know that sometimes a lot of us want to change our husbands or change our kids and, and we can't, but we, if we invite them in love into an environment that can, because Alita, when you said that Brad came but God got a hold of him. I mean, it wasn't Alita getting a hold of him. It was God that got a hold of him. But you yes. invited you invited him into that environment, listening to the wise counsel of your friend. Yes, she was um, she was very instrumental in that, and I give thanks for it. Another thing, if I guess, kind of moving along about the marriage situation, is that I experienced. Brad and I experienced a little bit of this, well, a lot, a lot of the same thing that Roxanne and her husband experienced as far as a financial desert. My husband lost his job shortly after our first child was born and essentially was without a job for six years. He did some contract work. He did this and that, but basically we were we were po. We weren't just poor. We were, we were po. We lost our, we put our house for sale because the bank was going to foreclose on us. We moved to a rent house, but the rent house in the way that only God can work all things together for good to those who love him and are called of Romans eight twenty eight. That's another one of my verses that holds me together. Um, our landlord were landlords were faithful, committed Christians. They rented this huge house to us for a smattering of money and were patient with us if we were late on the rent. During this time, my father had cancer of the throat and my landlord, my dear friend, said, oh, we know this surgeon. He's a good friend of ours. He was the premier throat surgeon, goes all over the world teaching people how to do these procedures. So she proceeds to gather us up and take us to this doctor. Just a way that God provides things. In the fact that we lost our lost our house, moved into a rent house, but God gave us these landlords who got the right doctor for my daddy. But during that time, and my husband will say this, so I'm not speaking out of term. He said, we had put our faith so much in things that the Lord had to take them away from us so that we would know that he is the true provider he was the one who fed us. Our church, I, there were two times before our house sold, there were two times that someone or ones made our house payment. At that time, in excess of $1,000 a month, they made our house payment for us. One Christmas, when we had nothing and one child, um, another one on the way, uh, we had nothing for Christmas. Um, I told already my oldest now, we won't have a Christmas tree this year because we don't have the money to buy it. And so we did get a little poinsettia, and I told her that was our Christmas tree. And then one, okay, it's going to make me cry, sorry. Always does. Um, 
we went home to my mom's house over a weekend near Christmas and we came back and there was on the back porch a Christmas tree and there were all kinds of gifts under it. Someone from our church had brought it. Mm. You know, just the little things that we saw that God provide. It was just that little pinky touches that the Lord has given me at times of I'm real. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this little thing didn't matter to anyone except to me that I could tell Sarah, look, God sent this Christmas tree for you. Mm-hmm. And that's just, um, and she still remembers it. She was the only one who was old enough to really remember that financial desert, but mm-hmm. she still remembers the Christmas tree. It, it's a, it's a real point in her faith. I pray that she will remember that someone from the church remembered and brought that to us. We were provided for through our family, our, both sides, Brad's folks and mine, and through our church. We never went hungry. We didn't have anything. We let go of everything in our lives that we could let go that cost money. But we were sustained. And then God gave um, him a really good job. During that time, we had three babies that we paid out at the hospital. We paid out the doctor, installment babies, I call them. (laughs) And I bit the bullet and didn't have anything extra. So birth those babies with no anesthetic. And it can be done because the women of old did it. So. Um, that's a very long story to say God <laughs> provides. That is a big, mm-hmm. it's a huge life lesson that God provides. And he has, t- the Lord has t- turned my husband into the most generous of people. And we do the, our very best to be generous in our tithes and in our offerings. I am just so astounded. There's really just been such an overarching theme in our chat today about being the hands and feet of Christ, whether it's been what you've received or, or what you've given, um, just such wisdom in that and such a good reminder. You spoke about the influence of those that had gone before you and raised you and, and just that word faithfulness. And I just wanted to kind of bring it back to that because as a young mom, And for me personally, sometimes as Roxanne says, my control freak kind of comes out and I have a real um, drive to do all the things perfectly and well and check all the boxes. And, um, and so that's just kind of where I lean. And I know there was um, a time where I felt like I was just falling apart in all ways. And, and my mom said to me, but Karna you've been faithful. And I can't even tell you what a balm that was to my soul because I thought I have, there was, I may not have been perfect in all the things and surely the people, your mom and your grandmother, they, they weren't perfect in everything. We have not been perfect in all the things that we do, but that faithfulness is what has made such an imprint on your life. And, um, and so I just want to encourage the women out there listening that I think sometimes these lies come in and we really beat ourselves up. But the truth is, is that God is working all things together for good, as you've said, right? He counts our faithfulness as righteous and um, he's pleased in that. And he uses that his grace covers, right? Exactly. And my my heart is bursting to add an amen to what you're saying is that that I feel sad a little bit for the generation of women behind us because 
there are so many assaults upon them for perfection and so many lies of social media that tell them that this person or that are doing everything perfectly and they're not. It's a lie of Satan and we have to not believe that. We have to know that our perfection and our desire for perfection is sin. We don't mm-hmm. open our doors because we want to be perfect. Don't worry about it. If your floor is dirty, so what? Nobody's going yeah. to be looking at that. They're just, they're probably amazed that you, they're being invited in because so mm-hmm. few people do that. And don't think that that your contribution, even though it's not perfect, is not good enough. Because if you bring it to the Lord, I mean, he's convicted me just uh, Roxanne talks about inviting neighbors. Over the last year, I was convicted to just do an evening of everybody come. I'm going to make some red beans and rice. Come eat. And I just kept waiting and trying to think about well, how you do it and which night do you do it on and when, when do you do it. And finally, the Lord just said, "Just do it." <laughs> yeah. And I went, "Oh, yeah, you're right." So I talked, I ran into my neighbor one day across the street, and I told her, and she said, "Let's do it." And I said, "Yeah, when should we do it?" And I said, "Next Monday." Mm-hmm. Next Monday. So we just did it and everybody came and everybody had a great time. But the perfection mode stops us so often from doing anything. It paralyzes us and that's wrong. Mm. Even if we do it wrong, if we do it in faithfulness and if we offer it up to the Lord, if we're trying to rear our kids, do it the best you can do as far with the knowledge that you have from the word, stay in the word. Mm. These women need to be in the word because there are too many lies assaulting them. Mm-hmm. So my my admonition to the women coming behind me is stay in the word, read the word, mm-hmm. put yourself in prayer before the Lord and follow him. Don't follow the whims and the notions of the world because they are lies. So good. I just felt like the Holy Spirit just come down and that is a word <laughs> for the women listening. It is a word. And I am just so so grateful for your boldness uh, to say what we need to hear. Roxanne, did you want to add anything as we close? Well, I was going to say a couple things. Um, when Alita talked about faithfulness, she talked about the faithfulness of her God, but being faithful in little things and that her, she she used the word, God showed up in little pinky touches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as only Alita could say. Yeah. And and the pinky touches, it wasn't really a little touch. It was a Christmas tree. Mm. And it was a giant thing for Sarah and really a giant thing for her faith. But to the person bringing it, it could have been just a little afterthought. So I, I think Alita has reminded me and encouraged me to be faithful to the little unctions of the spirit, to do the little touches and the little things that God's in the little things, but sometimes the little things that God is in comes through my hand Mm, and through the hands of his people and the red beans and rice thing, not waiting on the perfect day to love someone and the perfect time to love someone is a real uh, truth and a real powerful thing. And to not compare. And I love when you, she said that social media assaults today's women with perfection. That's a take home. We must not be assaulted by such. We must be in the word. Yes. Amen. Well, ladies, I, again, it is such an honor for me uh, as someone coming behind you just to sit at your feet and learn. Truly, I get choked up thinking about what an honor it is for me to sit here and listen. So thank you guys so much. 
my prayer is just that all of the women listening will just reject perfection and really be the hands and feet of Christ. Hey, this is Owen Atkinson, Karna's beloved son, second son, and best son. Don't tell Eli. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to find more information, check out the description. And please subscribe and leave a review so you don't miss the next episode that I get to produce. (laughs) Right, Mom? Remember, you are a precious jewel in the eyes of Jesus. And your story matters. Let the world see you so they may see him.